very good morning to you, Freedom Church. It's Thursday night for us here. We've got together just a couple of us from church. We've had a meal together. We've uh, seen God move right through from us, praying in the beginning for the food and enjoying a time of prayer, praying for each one of you. And uh, now we've enjoyed worship, and it's time for us to get stuck into part two. Janine's absolutely right. We're in the book of Ecclesiastes, this incredible book that Solomon has written for us in somewhat meaningless times. Uh, I think you'll agree again, just another week of uncertain, meaningless times. Uh, I sat in front of my laptop at Seattle this past week and a bit, trying to read Ecclesiastes, going through my notes again, and then my ADD brain, I check my brother's laughing there, but it's hard, my brain, I battle with this little brain of mine, I'm having a coffee, reading the Bible, and I get distracted again, and I, I look at all these shops and the signs that are being advertised, come inside, you've got food lovers market here, freshest garlic bread in town, directly across my path, the pool shop, dominate a creepy crawly, buy your creepy crawly from us, you'll have a clean pool. You've got Westpac here, buy your dog food from us, baby city, get your baby formula here, AutoZone, I need a bulb for my wife's brake, brake lights, it's not working again. You've got AutoCellular, you've got Sausage Saloon. And it's funny because I wasn't that hungry, but I see no one the whole day, no one is buying a sausage from the sausage. People are trying, eh? It's tough. Then down the hall, you got cash converters. People are lining up there, bringing stuff to sell. Dial a bed down the passage. And here I am drinking my skinny cappuccino at Seattle. I'm a consumer, but everything is just so loud, telling me, buy this, buy this, dominate a creepy crawly. And then I think of our land that God has given us. And what's happening? And I think, you know what? If there's signs happening all over the show with different shops trying to get me in, then we must also put up a sign on that piece of land and say, Freedom Church, will you see us? Will you come? Will you support us? Maybe we can just forget about the billboard. Maybe we can just forget about the sign and just love people. Just point people to God at a time like this. Time when things are absolutely meaningless. Where life certainly not making sense. You know what people do when life doesn't make sense? They immediately want to turn to somebody or they want to turn to something. And I want to say, if you're watching this or if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking of coming to the church or going to see a pastor, please don't. You've got to go to the Father. As a church, we have a responsibility to point people who are living in somewhat meaningless times to point them to the Heavenly Father. That's all the church should be doing at a time like this. And so today I pray that as we look at this book of Ecclesiastes together as a church, we're going to find meaning from this book that Solomon gives us. Turn with me to chapter 2 in your, in your Bible from Ecclesiastes chapter, chapter 2. Peter, it's on the screen. Thanks again, my bud. Solomon says this. He says, so I decided there is nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. Say the hand of God. 
One of the communicators or theologians that describes this book of Ecclesiastes, he, he says this, God holds the keys. He won't give them to you. So in order for you to walk through open doors, you need to stay close to God. God holds the keys. He won't give them to you. But in order for you to walk through open, de- open doors, you've got to stay close to God. Status, wealth, pleasure, your career, those are things that actually belong and come from the hand of God. But when these things are taken into my hands, when I take my status, my career, my wealth, my pleasure into my hands, Daryl, you know what? They become meaningless. But if you stay close to God, and if I live and if you live, friends, with open hands, saying, God, everything I have belongs to you. Everything I have comes from you. All of these things come from your hand, Lord God. If we can grasp that together, friends, you know what? If we live like that, we can start living lives with meaning. Amen? Heard about a Christian man, a successful businessman. He loves God. He honors God. And he took his family to a very exclusive island for a holiday. He took his wife and kids to this island. Top class, world class, private island. They had their own chef. They had their own butler on call. Private babysitters. And next door to him at this island was an actor from Hollywood who came to the same island, stayed next door to this man who loves and honors God. This actor from Hollywood had five children from three different women. And the, and the lady that he was with on this island wasn't the mother of any of his children. Both of them are at this very exclusive island, but living completely different lives. Both on the same island, but living, living a very different way of life. You know what God says, friends? He says that you can go to any island, you can go on any holiday, but you've got to link it to God. You can ride jet skis. You can catch the biggest marlin on that island. You can even fly there in your own airplane. But you, if you haven't linked these things to God, if you haven't realized that these things come from the very hand of God, you're going to live a life of meaningless. You want pleasure? Link it to God. Link it to God. Don't separate those things from the hand of God. Otherwise... Your life and mine will be meaningless. Does God say no to sex? No, he doesn't. In fact, he created sex for us. It's a gift. He doesn't say no to God, but it needs to be linked to God. He is God, the creator. He made snow to ski on. There's a businessman who takes his his family on a skiing holiday once a year, sitting out tonight. He made the ski, the snow for you to ski on, but he made islands for you to explore with your wife, enjoy it. But make sure that you're linking it to God. Make sure that you remember that everything comes from the hand of God. Amen? Solomon said you can build the most amazing career your whole life, but they won't remember you. It's all meaningless unless it's linked to God. You're a doctor. Link your career to God. Make your life count, but link everything to God, to the hand 
of God. And for a very long time, this incredibly wise man, Solomon, he doesn't get this right. Eh? He doesn't link these things to God. He, he didn't bring these things under the very hand of God. He writes this in chapter 2. He says this. He says, I said to myself, myself. He says, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. I'm going to try something else, he says. I'm going to try pleasure. I'm going to give pleasure a full go, 100%. I'm going to buy everything that I see. I'm going to give pleasure to myself. Friends, just got to look at Hollywood. And I'm not picking on Hollywood, but just got to look at the way they live. They trade their wives faster than they trade their cars. Because a wife cannot bring a life of meaning. Your car cannot give you a life of meaning. And your house won't make you happy. And most of Benoni thinks that these things will make them happy. It's meaningless, friends. It's meaningless. That man in our city says to me, he says, I wrote it down, Daryl, I don't feel in love with my wife anymore. And I lean in across the coffee table and I say to him, my butt, join the club. Because I don't always feel in love with my wife. Love is a decision. Love is an act of the will. Love is not a feeling. And he says to me, nah, I'm going to go get another wife. It's only a matter of time until that new wife becomes meaningless. They say, no, my car is not quite paid off, but that new model, you must check that thing, Fox. It's proper. I'm going to get it. It's only a matter of time. That new car becomes meaningless. Your home. Yeah, well, it's okay. I, I sort of like my home, but I'm not really happy. Move to the new house. It's only a matter of time. So that house becomes meaningless. He says this in chapter 2. He says, I tried wine. He says, I gave wine a full go. You know what? In Benoni, we do it slightly differently. We don't try wine. You know what we do? We collect wine. And we exchange expensive bottles of wine with our mates in Benoni. It's meaningless. Solomon says, I had a whole harem of women in my home. 50 women. FHM supermodels running around my house half naked, sleeping around, pleasure, meaningless. Doing exactly what I want, he says, became meaningless. You know what, you know what else Solomon tried to find meaning in? He, he tries to find meaning in gaining wisdom. This is what he says. He starts preaching. He says, I'll tell you what. I tried to go after wisdom. Then he says in chapter 1, I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly. He says, I try to get wisdom. I learned as much as I possibly could. I learned and I learned and I learned and I learned. But he says firsthand that pursuing all of this is like chasing the wind. It's absolutely futile. The more you learn, the more depressed you actually get. It's true, hey? You never really see a happy philosopher you very seldom see a happy professor. Think of that famous atheist, Richard Dawkins. The more he learns, the more angry and cross he gets at the church. And so wisdom's not the answer. That's meaningless, the Bible says. Absolutely meaningless. The, the more you find out about a church, the more disappointed you become. 
I spoke to a man last week. He said to me that him and his family are are thinking of joining Freedom Church. He says over the years they've been to just one or two churches. And he says the the more they've found out about those churches, the the more disappointed they've got. And I interrupted him right there on the phone. I said to him, you know what? If you join Freedom Church, you're also going to be disappointed. We're also going to let you down. Because they say, and I've said it before, there's no such thing. As the perfect church. Why not, Daryl? Well, you just got to look at me for starters. None of us. None of us in church are perfect. Yeah? So- Solomon says, you-, you can try and go after wisdom, but it won't appeal to the very depth of your soul. And then he does this very strange thing in, in chapter 2. He-, he sort of compares wisdom and pleasure to each other. He, he sort of thinks, which one is better? Uh, if I'm really clever... And I learn and I learn, is, is that going to be good? Or if I, if I sleep around and I buy everything that I want and shop around, which is better? And at the very end of chapter 2, he says, I've discovered that, that wisdom is better than foolishness. But actually, he says, they're both a waste of time. And then in chapter 3, he, he starts talking to us about God's timing being perfect. And he, he says that there's a time... For everything. I think many of us have been to some funerals in the last couple of months. And we've heard this verse being read to us from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There's a time to dance. There's a time to mourn. There's a a time to laugh. There's a time to cry. There's a time to sow. And there's a time to reap. And then he says this in verse 11. He says, in everything God makes It's beautiful in its time. God holds time in his hands. We sang that fellow, sang and led us in that song this evening. His timing, friends, is perfect. You know what I think the secret is to living a life of peace? Can I be honest? You know what I think the secret is to living a life of peace? You know what it is? Accepting and acknowledging that God's timing is perfect. Even if I don't understand. Accepting and acknowledging that that God's timing is perfect. And I think if we do that, friends, if we get to the point in our lives when we accept God's timing, you don't have to understand it, because I don't think we will. But to accept that God's timing is perfect, I think then we start living a life of peace. To pray something like this when you're driving or you wake up in the morning and you think of the day that you're about to face and it makes no sense, it's meaningless to to lie in bed before you get up and say, God, I don't understand why I'm about to go into this day that feels so meaningless. I don't understand why I'm in this situation, but I'm going to accept, God, that you're in control and that time is in your hands and that your timing is perfect. You've got a choice. You can wake up and get out of bed after having prayed that prayer. Or you can get out of bed and you can start resenting God's timing. You know what we, What will happen if you start resenting God's timing? You're going to start living with despair and you're going to start living a life of meaningless. You want peace right now, sir? Accept that God's timing is perfect. And I say again, you may not have to agree. But accept that God's timing is perfect. 
And if you don't understand that God holds the clock of your time, of your life in his hands, you will not be able to make sense of this time. You will not be able to make sense of this weird Corona church lockdown time that we're living in. God, when's church going to open? I don't know. I don't know. God, what's happening? I've got it in my hands, Foxy. My timing is perfect, Foxy says, God. People are asking me, why did we buy that piece of land in Benoni? A man called me this week. He said, you know what? You've actually wasted God's money by buying that piece of land because it's useless. And I'm thinking to myself, God, what is going to happen to that piece of land? Maybe God doesn't want anything to happen to that piece of land for now. Maybe God wants us to drive past that piece of land and to pray. Maybe God wants us to walk on that piece of land and to pray that his will gets done on that piece of land. Maybe God wants us to wait for his perfect timing for that piece of land. Because you know what? If we rush it and we do things in our own timing, we're going to make a fluff of it. And we're going to start building our name and our brand instead of building the name of Jesus. Yeah? Wait for God's timing. And how Solomon, he tells us, he tried to make a name for himself, eh? And he found out that it was meaningless. I want to say to you today, if you're trying to build a name for yourself in your career, it will be meaningless. If you try and build a name for yourself on the sports field, it will be meaningless We've seen how famous sports stars have ended and gone through a tremendous high and then suddenly they come crashing down. Why? Because it's meaningless. If you carry on reading, in chapter 4, becomes a bit of a lonely chapter here. Maybe some of you are lonely right now. Last week was Valentine's Day. Ah, oh, Daryl, don't talk about Valentine's Day. You know, you know what? I think for some of you it's a reality. Some young people sitting here, young single people, single moms sitting here. Single time, difficult time, wondering, am I ever going to find somebody who I can do life with? And now the world have come up with this the holiday now, after Valentine's Day, Single Awareness Day. I don't know if you've heard about that. You might want to take off next year, the 15th of February. But, 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 you know, but, but seriously, I think a lot of people are lonely at this time. I think of my mate, he says, I love being alone. He says, when his wife goes out with her friends and the kids are out with their friends, he says, I like being alone in the house. Being alone doesn't necessarily mean that you're lonely. You can be, you can be alone just by yourself, but, but, but you don't necessarily feel lonely. You know when I feel the most lonely? When I'm in a massive big group of people, I sometimes feel lonely. You can call me weird if you want, but I sometimes experience loneliness when, when I'm in a massive group of people. It says this in chapter 4, two are better than one because they can help each other succeed. If one falls down, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. I took my Valentine, my wife, to the Motherland Coffee for a coffee the other day. It was quite proper. 
And I just started speaking and sharing with her about my heart and how I was feeling about church and, and how I feel that we're actually perhaps failing and maybe I'm a failure. She just listens to me. She's just there to, to pick me up and support me when I'm, when I'm feeling somewhat down. Tuesday night, my brother and I, we're talking to each other. He's in his garage. I'm in my garage. And we're just bouncing things off of each other. We're just talking a little bit about life, encouraging each other. Make sure you've got somebody to encourage you. Make sure you've got somebody in your life to give you true perspective, to be there for you, to pick you up. Because everything right now is a bit blurry, eh? I think chapter 4 depicts a very specific time that many people are going through right now. Some of you have lost partners. Some of you have lost businesses. Chapter 4 is a lonely chapter. It starts off by saying, I saw the tears of the oppressed and there was no one to comfort them. It's a lady in our church. Her husband passed on many years ago. He, he was a pastor. And, and now she's running her business in our city. She runs a guest house. You can imagine the income at the moment with her guest house. She turned 70 this week and, and I spoke to her. And, well, what do you say to someone in her 70s who doesn't have someone, her soulmate with her? Who has a guest house and it's the only source of, what do you say? You just got to listen. You just got to cry with them. No answers. You just got to remind her about the hand of God upon her life. About the hand of God who is her provider. Who has his hand upon her at this time. That's chapter 4. Incredibly lonely chapter. And then chapter 5, Solomon picks it up here in chapter 5. He says, God is in heaven. My goodness, we've prayed tonight from the very first prayer for the food that we ate together. Through the prayer meeting outside. God is in heaven. And I'm on earth. This is what he says. God's in heaven, Troy. You and I are just on earth, buddy. So let your words be few. Don't be quick with your mouth. Don't be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven. You and I are on earth, so let your words be few. Don't be so quick with your mouth, Daryl. Let your words be few, my boy. Don't be hasty to do anything. God's in heaven. I'm just here on earth. And you know, sometimes I want to act out in the flesh. Hey, man, the flesh is so much alive in me. Because why now we can't have church? Let's protest. Let's riot. Let's speak our minds. No, no. Shh. Shh, Daryl. Psalm 46. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. Be very careful with what you say and what you speak. Right now, there's lots of noise at the moment. Shh. Let your words be few. Driving here to this recording this afternoon, my phone rings. It's a man in our church. He says, I've received my letter of retrenchment today. He says, I feel like acting out to my boss during these next two weeks, telling him off. 
He says, I've read today from Isaiah 53 how Jesus was utterly silent as he was led like a little lamb to the slaughter. He didn't defend himself. He kept quiet. He says, Daryl, please pray with me that I am quiet like Jesus, that I treat my boss well right up until the end of this month, and that my boss sees Jesus inside of me, Daryl. I want to be quiet. Let your words be few. There's some businessmen sitting here tonight listening. And maybe you're living with no joy at the moment because of the immense pressure that you're under. And you want to vent negativity to whoever wants to listen. And you might be saying, Daryl, you don't understand. You don't have a clue. Okay, maybe I don't. But you are on earth. God is in heaven. Let your words be few. Don't sin with your mouth. Be gentle with your mouth. I reckon I've missed a massive amount again out of this book from Ecclesiastes. But as we close tonight, it says this in chapter 12, the very last verse. It says, now all has been heard and here is the conclusion of all matters. This is what he says. Here's the conclusion. Fear God. Say fear God. Fear God. That word fear is respect of God. It's in awe of God. It's in submission to God. Respect Him. Be in awe of Him. Submit to Him. Not an unhealthy fear, but a fear of God. Everything is meaningless. Money, sex, wealth is meaningless. But if you link it to God, and if we fear God at this time, and if we give God his rightful place, we will find meaning in this very short life that we live. Freedom Church, I want to say to us, use your strength to build wealth, to build status, to, to build your career, but always glorify God. When, when people put you on a pedestal and they, and they glorify you, no, switch it and put it straight back onto God. Give God the glory because his life, your life, my life is in God's hands. Amen. He's the creator. He's the one who holds everything in his hands. And his timing is perfect. I want to say this. We will never. We will never put a billboard up. Advertising Freedom Church. Putting a brand onto something. Because that's not actually the church. People are the church. And I want to show people their heavenly father. I want to help give people perspective of God in this very meaningless life. Freedom Church, in the next couple of weeks, let's search for answers in God's word of what's really important to God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 